Our text this morning is in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And if I, would, if I could title this, I would just say it's, the title of the message is, I've got the power, you've got the power. You've got all you need, you've got all the power, amen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 14 in your Bible, or if you have your Bible app, you can read it there, of course, but I encourage you to follow along by reading, and if not, at least follow along by listening, so that we can uh, just hear what the Lord might have to say to encourage and challenge us this morning, amen. I, uh, I love what we sang in the middle of uh, the song that said, You can have all this world, just give me Jesus. You can have everything, just give me Jesus. And, and, that, and those, those words, you'll see, even what Peter writes here, just fits right in. And it's really a summation of, it's all about Jesus. And we got every, if we got Jesus, we got everything. We've got everything when we have Jesus. Simon Peter says this in the first verse, 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Oh, there's so much there, as in all scripture. Time, I don't have the time to do it justice, obviously, but there is so much there. But with God's help, we'll, we'll go through this and... And hopefully we can be challenged and encouraged. Amen? Listen, I want you to notice something really important. That in our scripture text, Peter introduces himself in this way. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He introduces himself intentionally in this way. Think about it. He was a follower of Jesus. He saw firsthand incredible miracles. He touched Jesus. He heard the teachings of Jesus. In fact, he was told to go and preach uh, and Jesus commissioned them to go two by two. He had that, that commission from Jesus directly. And even after Pentecost and all that, he could, he could kind of, you know, be proud and be all showy about who he was and, 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 and brag about his position and the place he had, and, and, and also what God had done through him and all that he experienced. But he introduces himself first as a servant, then as an apostle. And he was an apostle. But he introduces himself as a servant first. Really, really, really important. And he does not waive his authority or position. He said he proudly, I believe in a good way, he proudly says, I belong to and serve Christ. Yes, I'm an apostle, but I'm a servant of Christ. See, the letter is also written to those, he says, who have received the faith as precious as ours. What a great word. It's a precious faith that they had received that was the same as ours. Who? The apostles. Those who were there who started and founded the first church through the Holy Spirit when Christ sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And the letter is written again to those who received the faith as precious as ours. Which, 
Which? He said, if, and again, even for us, if you and I, if we have believed that gospel and accepted Christ, we've received that same precious faith. Because that faith comes out of the preaching of the gospel, the word of God going forth. And the gospel is simply this, as we know, and Paul declares it in 1 Corinthians, that it is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and according to Scriptures, on the third day He was raised. And as a result of that, what did He do? He made us right with God the Father. He justified us. That's the Gospel. We were enemies of God because of sin. Jesus came. He died. He rose again. And now we're friends of God by faith because of what Jesus did in rising again. What an awesome, simple, good message that is. When we were separated from God, our Creator, and Jesus reconciles us to Him, brings us back. He prays also for grace and peace to be yours in abundance, if you notice, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Notice how the statement is worded. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Let me ask you a question. Who wouldn't want grace? I want it. I want more of it. I want it. I want it every day. I want it right now. I want more of it. I want. It. I mean, just keep bringing it. I love grace. Who doesn't want grace? And in so many ways, you know, you don't pay your credit bill on time. You want grace. Sometimes they give it, but if you make it a habit, you still got to pay. A, you know, a little late fee or penalty, but maybe they won't charge you interest. You work things out, but you want grace. You want grace, and oftentimes you get that. But in other things in our lives, we are always wanting, expecting. We, we, that's, we want it. We desire grace. We want people to be gracious to us. And, and then we have to be gracious back, too. And we, we struggle with that as well, right? But we've got, no, who doesn't want that grace? You know, and, and the idea that grace is that we are given and we are treated and we're handed something that we don't deserve, you know? We get all the good stuff when we really should get all the bad stuff. And that's exactly what God did through Christ Jesus. It's exactly what he did. The greatest demonstration of grace when he sends his son, send his son and he dies and our sins are forgiven when we place our faith in him. We, des- we don't deserve eternal life, but he gives it to us because he's gracious. Now, when I think of grace, there's also this application for everyday life. And the Apostle Paul, I think of, do you remember the story? I say the story, but the account, and he, he, he makes mention of it. In, in Corinthians. And in Corinthians, he writes, and he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9. Because he spends the first part of chapter 12 saying, listen, if I wanted to, I could boast. I'm a, I, but, but because of all that, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh. And he says it was given to me this weakness, this struggle he had, where he had to rely on God. And he says it was given to me basically to keep him humble. To keep me humble to keep me in my place, to remind me that, yes, I'm an apostle, yes, I'm very learned, but more importantly, I am a child of God, and I am a servant of God, and i got to stay humble. I was given a thorn. There was this thing, and I was buffeted. Satan was constantly pounding me and reminding me or giving it or bringing it and needling me in the side over and over again. And, he, and Paul says, and I prayed out to God three times, oh God, please take it away. I don't know the exact words, but I'm sure it was something like that and more. God, let this stop. I want this suffering. I want this thing that's annoying me. This thing that's just constantly getting under my skin and causing me problems and aggravation and irritation and maybe even pain. And don't pretend that any of you know what that thorn was because we just don't know what it was. We can have ideas, but it was certainly there. And when he asks God over and over, 
God finally says, and he says, this is what God said to me. Listen, I know you're asking me, but here's my answer. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. It is, every, it is enough, and it'll, it'll fill to the brim, and it, it, can, it does go over. But it's everything you need all the time. It's sufficient. It's all you need. It's everything. Just like Christ is everything regarding salvation. That grace that He gives you, that power, the good stuff that He gives you that you don't deserve every day, that to power you through, to go through life, He gives you power through His grace as well. He graces you with His presence and His, and His power and His Holy Spirit and His truth. And He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Because Paul said that when he said, my grace is sufficient for you, he followed it up and the next phrase says, for power, my power is perfected in weakness, God told him. God's power is demonstrated and shown in weakness. When things seem impossible, when you seem puny, when you have no energy, no strength, but you humbly call out and you say, God, I rely on your grace, I receive your grace, I'll take it, you can power through. Not your grace. (laughs) It's all God's grace. It's all His power in you. And who wouldn't want peace? Not just grace, but peace. Who doesn't want peace? Come on. We all want peace. Who wouldn't want both, in fact, in abundance, as Peter says? To have it in abundance. Do you remember Jesus said in John chapter 10, he was teaching about himself. And he said that I am the good shepherd. And he was talking about laying down his life for a sheep and how the good shepherd leads a sheep. And he, and he gets to, to a verse and he says, the thief only comes to steal and destroy and to take away and to just ruin everything. And he wants to destroy you. And he says, but I, I have come to give them life and to give, that, give them life just for today and just to feel like you're a little energized and to feel like you know, you're going to get by today with your head hanging down and, and you're struggling through. And now he says, I have come to give it more abundantly. More abundantly. That it would be overflowing, that it's everything you need, that it's true living, true life. You're not just existing, but you're thriving and you're living life the way God designed you to as his child and not in your power but in his power by his grace and his peace i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly john 10 10 jesus says that these come this this grace and this peace they come as we grow in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord peter says You want to know how that grace and peace comes? When you grow in your knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's how they come. Yes, they're there. But they're for the taking, if I will. If you would only abide in Christ and you would listen and hear and take from Him, you will grow in that knowledge of how extravagant His grace is and how deep and penetrating His peace is even to the most tumultuous corners of your heart and mind. And that is exactly what we can have as followers of Jesus. In fact, we ought to have, we should have, we should live in. And that's the abundant life that he offers. Here in verses 3 and 4 as we move forward, Peter tells how the process of living the abundant life begins. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. How does that process begin? His divine power. 
It's not you. It's not some self-help program. Some are fine. It's the divine power. It is God's power and God's power alone that we rely on first and foremost. You see, Christ has given us, as Peter says, everything that we need for life and godliness. I'm going to say it again. Christ has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Amen? I mean, think about that. When you read that, do we believe this? Do we take this to heart? That we have everything, and I don't want to cheapen it, but at our disposal to live life the way God wants us to on this earth and to live it godly, to demonstrate godliness, because it's not our godliness, not our holiness, but Christ in us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he said, God is able... I just want you to hear all these words, these scriptures I'm reading, because it's not me. You've got to take every word to heart and let it sink in. He says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I, it's, I love how he, he phrases that and how it's broken up. I'm going to read it again, because I love that verse. God is able... To make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Can I just say, we have no excuse for not abounding in good work. I don't have an excuse. And boy, I still, you know, I try to find some. And I can give you explanations, but they're bad excuses. Because we have everything that we need. You know, when, let me ask you a question. When everyone, when everyone but Christ is calling you with all of their superior knowledge and information about life, how you should live, do we believe them? Do we believe them first? And do we latch on and do we just run with it without listening to Christ? I'm not suggesting that you can't do that at all. I'm just saying that we have to remember that Christ gives us everything that we need for all time so that we could do everything the way He wants us to. See, this is the hope that we have. Christ has given us everything we need for this life and godliness. Look, whether it's struggling with your tongue, because none of us have that problem. I I have that problem, but no, no one else does. I get it. Maybe it's struggling with your attitude. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm over two so far. Maybe it's struggling with your heart. I'm going over three. I'm feeling really bad right now. Maybe it's struggling with your eyes. Oh, I hate to admit it, but I'm, I'm batting over four all of a sudden. Maybe it's with your finances, with your habits. Remember that Christ has given us everything we need to live for Him. Everything. That word isn't there because God didn't mean it. He's given you everything you need to live this life and to live it godly. Notice, it's because of His divine power. Not by your own desires. His power, not our accomplishments. His power, not our power. 
Listen to Paul in Romans chapter 7 as he struggled with sin in his life. Listen to what he says. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members, my body. And he says, what a wretched man I am. I'm pathetic. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not you, not anybody else, not some kind of program or some kind of structured formula that's out there that somebody's going to give you that you go through and you'll be all... No, your spirit, your heart, your inner man, it's all about Jesus Christ who will rescue you from this body that's always warring against the spirit and your godly desires. Always. It's Jesus, it's his divine power, not your power, that will overcome this flesh. We have this power given to us. We received it at salvation, and it keeps on working in us. God doesn't give it to us and then expect us to to earn it. You know, even, or earn more of his power in any way that we think might please him. He gave it, and he made a promise that the Holy Spirit would be in us as his disciples in John chapter 14. He's in you. you got everything you need to live this life and to live it in godliness. Notice where it comes from. Through our knowledge of him who called us. Here we go again, that knowledge. That, that we have to go back to the word. We have to go back into communion, to fellowship with him and abiding in him. See, the more we know him, the more power we can tap into. Do you, wait, do you believe that? That the more we know Jesus, the more power you can tap into? All the power's there. He lives in you. But the more you know him, the more you connect with him and surrender to him in his ways and not your power, the more of his power you can have. No, really. I know I'm not convincing a lot of you, and I'm praying that as you go through the day, you will be convinced that you can have more of God's power as you get to know him and that you get that as your knowledge of him increases. You know him better. He lives in you more. You give up more because you realize and you know and you learn to know that the more I surrender, the more he takes over. And then it's him living in me. The less we know, the less power. The less life we will have. And you'll be like, you're going through life, like, oh, I just got to get through this day. Oh, I got to make it. And you, like I mentioned earlier, you, you're gonna, we're going to just be sludging through life, and God doesn't want us to live that way. Do you remember what Paul's ultimate desire was in Philippians 3, verse 10? He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. But listen further. Just another chapter down. He says in chapter 4, verse 13, after saying that, he says, I can do everything through my power that is so great, and I'm so wise, and I'm so good, and I know God's will, and so that I know I can do all things that are God's will by myself and in my own wisdom. And when I talk to this person and they guide me that way, he says, no, I do it all through Christ who what strengthens you, who empowers you, who powers you through, all the way through. You know, people are watching us as Christians. They're watching us. 
And they are actually, I know, it's, listen, it's, it's, it's in the spiritual realm. Obviously, it's, it, there's warfare going on, and it's a spiritual matter. But they are watching where our power comes from. We may not use those terms. We may not use that exact language. They're watching where we're drawing our energy, strength, and purpose, and meaning in life. Power in life. Is it from God? Is it from God? Is it it an ungodly philosophical system? They're watching that. They're watching for consistency. They're watching if it works. Let me tell you, it works. It's real, all right? And God takes you through. He's, 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 He's the power and the strength. You know, somebody said, and, and I think of this when I, when I think about where we get our power from, that what you draw people with, you know, if you draw them to church or Bible, anyway, and it's fine, but what you draw them with, you will draw them to. It's true. If you're drawing somebody to a feel-good gospel where everything is always good, you're drawing them to a Jesus who isn't the one who really empowers you to be godly, not just to live in this earth and be prosperous and successful and just plain old happy all the time. That's all good. That's not what Jesus calls you for. But if you, if you, you show them that, you, you've got to show people. who You draw them to Jesus. If you draw them with Jesus and the power of God, they'll be drawn to the power of God. If you draw them with entertainment, they'll want more entertainment. They'll want a Jesus who entertains. You have to go to a Jesus and you have to show them Jesus and draw them with a Jesus, to, to a Jesus who is all-powerful, almighty, and who powers you through by His Spirit and not your own strength. And it's a full reliance on Him. And others will say, wow, this ain't working out for me. I want that too. How do we know Christ? We know Christ through His Word and His Spirit. Do we really spend enough time in the Word? This is the key to living a powerful, effective life. Knowing God's word and spending time in his presence so that his spirit saturates ours. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to skip a couple things because of time here that that are irrelevant at this point. And I'm being, I can't, I can't be more serious when I say this. And it's not because I'm scolding or yelling. I'm, I'm talking to myself too. But I just really, 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 really wonder. And, and, I, and I'm not here to put quantities and, 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 and say this should be this amount of number and all that. I'm, I just, just for comparison's sake. For some of you, and maybe me, I'll put it this way. For the amount of hours per day you spend reading things other than the Word of God that are saturated with philosophies beyond through the author and in that writing that is juxtaposed and opposes the gospel philosophically and spiritually. And then you spend hours, and then some of you, you spend 10 minutes reading the Word of God in your devotions, and now you've saturated yourself. You've filled your plate with all this stuff, and then on top, at the end of the day, you've put little sprinkles of the gospel, 10 minutes worth, after saturating your soul for hours, some of you reading stuff, that has nothing to do with God's divine power. I do not apologize for being that direct and saying it the way it is. Let me ask you, if you would flip it, if you would spend at least as much time reading Scripture as you read other stuff, can I? how do you think, how empowered would you be? How would things be different as a Christian individually? I'm asking myself to. Can I go a little further after that? How would we look like as a church? 
How would the church in America look like if we would just invest all our energy and time and get so filled and saturated with God's Word that what we think and what we say and how we... I mean, it it's all comes out of the Word of God, but instead, we've got all this other stuff that's filled our life and there's no room. I'm, I'm, I've got to stop because we're going on a tangent. Brothers and sisters... We're missing out on living the abundant life and knowing the fullness of the divine power in us because, well, we're not reading the Word and we're not getting filled with the Spirit by spending time in His presence. And I think it breaks God's heart because if I could... He's so excited and so desiring to just release His power through us. And we're holding it back and saying, I want just enough and it's all good. God has given us, in verse 4, these very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Listen, the the, the word, through these, he's given us precious promises. It refers to Christ's glory and his goodness and what he's done. He was God, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and through these, by his life and death, he has given us great and precious promises. Precious meaning you want to guard that, safe keep that, those promises as much as you can. Hold them. They're so dear to you. Value them so much. You will do anything to guard them. But we leave it by the nightstand. And it just sits there. And it's not even safeguarded from dust. Promises that are great and precious. Christ's promises never, ever, 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 ever fail. Promises that he would never leave us or forsake us. We know that. Promises that we can receive a peace that passes all understanding. Promises that our God will supply all of our needs. Promises that his grace is sufficient. I had a conversation with someone a couple months ago, a relative of mine, who was doing very well for himself financially and, 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 and in the industry he was in. And he, came, he came to a place and he says, I've got to leave. I've got to give it all up. Because all I do is work. I'm on call seven days a week and I'm working 16-hour days. He was owned. He was enslaved to his employer. And in the process, the power was waning spiritually. Because he wasn't giving God the time that he should. He knew that. He did. But he, and it was, it was affecting his family, the whole nine yards. Let me tell you something. God's promises are faithful. He made a decision. And you know what happened? This is, I, I spoke with him and I said, listen... God gave us a promise in chapter 6 of Matthew. And maybe somebody needs to hear this this morning. God will always take care of everything you need. He will. I don't care. And I don't care if I offend you. And all, some of you are so stinking worried about having a hefty retirement when you turn 65 and you can't do anything anyway in some of your cases. I mean, God forgive me. You know what? Live for God now. You don't have tomorrow. 
What are you wasting the power that's inside that you could tap into by being enslaved to something so you could put more and have more matched by your employer for your 401k and you're going to spend more hours there and you're working 24-7 and your brain's going and your emotions are going and your attitude stinks. That's not abundant living. There's no power there. There's actually the power of repulsion. People don't want to be around you and you don't want to be around them and you're miserable and you think it's all great because you're this and you're making six figures or whatever it is, seven figure, whatever it is. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. Do the right thing if that's one of you, whatever it is. Don't be enslaved to that. You're not going to miss out on the power of God. God will always take care of everything you need. You don't need 40 pairs of shoes. You have two. You're good. You don't need three cars in your driveway and it's just you and your wife. You have two, you're fine. That's even a bonus, depending on what's going on in your life. I get it. I could go on and on. And I'm sorry, I am sorry if I sound like I'm, but but listen, I don't want you to miss out on the power of God. I don't. If you're doing everything in your own strength, where are you going to say, thank you, Lord, for all your provisions? Oh, but in the process, I'm working my butt off. I'm losing my relationship with, with, with God, and it's waning, and it's just weak, and it's anemic. But I got everything I need in this world. And in the end, you're going to look back in your life, and you're going to say, wow, God, how efficient, effective, and productive was I for you, really? I know I'm speaking to somebody, I'm sure. And it's just a reminder Colossians 2, and we close with this. Colossians 2, chapter 9 and verse 10. I love the book of Colossians, one of my favorite epistles, but Paul says in chapter 2, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Oh, man. And you have been given fullness... Or you have been made complete, your translation might say, in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness. You are made complete in Christ. You have everything you need because of Christ. You're a complete person. You know, you, you, Lord, keep me on track. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Are you powerfully living the life that Jesus has bought for you? Why do you need anything else? I'm not trying to be impractical, but why do you need anything else? Every believer, based on this verse, is, and I just get welled up because every believer shares in that fullness. And it's to be a permanent experience that we have. The fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And now Jesus, by His Spirit, lives in us. That man, Jesus, sits at the right hand of God the Father. He sent His Spirit, and He lives in us. And we're partakers of the divine presence of God. We are partakers Warren Wearsby said this about this scripture. He says, when a person is born again into the family of God, he is born complete in Christ. His spiritual growth is not by addition, but by nutrition. 
He, he, he grows from the inside out. Nothing needs to be added to Christ because He already is the very fullness of God living in you. As the believer draws on Christ's fullness, he is filled unto all the fullness of God. What more does he need? What more does he need? Is there a habit that's annoying you? Like your own habit. Is there a habit that's pestering you? Is there a sin that is entangling you and you cannot escape? Listen, you have the divine power given to you by Christ. You don't have to turn to the world. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to sulk around in life because Christ has come to give you life and to give you life that is more abundant. You know, we view ourselves... I had... I left it in the office. I apologize. But I had a cookie, and we view ourselves sometimes as that cookie, but we view ourselves as a half cookie. And we think that, like, you know, when we come to Christ, the other half comes. It's kind of like the silliness of, and I, pardon me, but the silliness of how we view our marriage. You know that movie? I never saw it. I saw bits and pieces and whatever, probably for the better, where something about, like, you know, I think it was Tom Cruise said, you complete me, or one of them, or whatever it was. You complete me, whatever the movie was. I'm not promoting that, but whatever it is. And, and it had to do with this person coming into his life. What do you mean you complete me? You are a complete person now. And you're, a, you're an individual complete person before you met your soulmate, before I met Sharon. Sharon was fully Sharon. She's a whole cookie. I'm a whole cookie. She's not a half cookie. And I'm a half cookie. And it comes together. And all of a sudden, ooh, we're one. And we're, I'm, I'm a complete cookie now. No, the mystery of marriage in the Bible teaches us that I am a complete cookie. She's a complete cookie. The two come together and all of a sudden they're one. And now I was complete, but now we are one. I'm not half a cookie. I may have been broken. I may have been chipped and whatever because sin, you want to get analogies and whatever. I am a complete cookie. And you are complete in Christ. Don't add or take away. Just be, just take in that nutrition. Be filled with Him and His power. Get in His presence, His Word, and spend time with Him. There are very few things this world has to offer that are fully sufficient, and we have full sufficiency in Christ Jesus. Man, Christ came to give you life and to give it abundantly. You've got the power. And the question comes down to this, and we're going to pray. Do you want the life that Jesus has to offer? Or do you want the life that the world has to offer? Or that you want to offer yourself that you view as ideal? We, I'm in the we, we forfeit so much because we accept Jesus as Savior. But then we reject that abundant and powerful life that he has already, it's bought, it's paid for, and now it lives in us. He lives in us. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Read verse 3 with me again. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Do you believe that? Will you tap into that? Will you make it a priority? to walk in the fullness of the power because you got it. It's there.
But it's time for us to tap in and to see that mighty working power of God in our lives. And we could see the church just become everything we're supposed to be. That your life would be everything it's supposed to be in your community, your neighborhood, and your family because you're walking in the power of God and not your own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you take this scripture, these words, and I pray your Holy Spirit would just, there would be this, it would be marked in our hearts, not just our minds, but in our hearts, so that we would realize how much grace and peace is ours through you, Jesus, and the great promises that we have. And those promises include your Holy Spirit and your divine power that lives inside of us and that the fullness of Christ in us, Lord, is just so, it's huge and it's so powerful and transformative. God, I pray that today we would not walk anemically. We would not walk resisting the power. Lord, we would surrender and know the fullness of abundant life that you have to offer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. You've got the power. Now walk in it.